1 Peter chapter 5. We have been on a journey that we are concluding today, the Lord willing, through this wonderful letter uh, written for Peter by a guy named Sylvanus. Peter was telling him what he wanted said, and Sylvanus wrote it for him, to encourage believers who were scattered from their homelands, um, primarily in the Judean area. And they had settled in an area of the world now known as, as northern Turkey, having left behind their careers, their relatives, all of their earthly goods that they couldn't carry, and starting over again there and doing what believers do. We love to get together for fellowship to encourage each other. And so new churches were being born in this part of the world, and they get this letter from the Apostle Peter, and it's full of encouragement, acknowledgement that there is suffering in this life, and they were surely suffering but also encouraging truths that they didn't know or things they had forgotten, things to be reminded of. And thank God it was included in the canonization of the Scriptures. It encourages us still today. He begins chapter 5 with the words, The elders who are among you, notice the word among, The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. So he identifies with them. And now here's the exhortation to these elders. Shepherd or watch over or feed the flock of God which is among you. Notice the word among. Among you serving as overseers, not by compulsion, not because you have to and not because you're a bully, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, not because you're greedy, but eagerly. Do it for free if you have to. Nor as being lords or dictators over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. This reminds me of something the chief shepherd himself said in Matthew 20, Mark 10, and Luke 22. He basically said these words, You know the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Not exactly a picture of the churches I grew up in where the pastors didn't even have first names. They were so high above the people. And uh, it's my desire that the, the, the leaders here are among us and that we are not lords over God's people, but we're eager to serve. Likewise, verse 5, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. So this submission is a two-way thing. And be clothed with humility. Everybody say, don't be naked. You know, the church in Laodicea was full of pride, and Jesus said, you guys are naked. So in the eyes of God... Our pride doesn't fool him. He sees us for who we really are. Be clothed with humility, for God resists. Can we say resist? 
God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Sometimes our problem in life isn't the enemy and it's not our enemies. It's God himself resisting us because of pride. But he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, can we say a while? How long is that? I don't know. But after you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Can we say maturity? To him be glory, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So the Lord's going to establish us. We're going to become strong. We're going to become mature. We're going to become solid people. All glory to God. Verse 12, by Silvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. Now, there are some experts and scholars that say Peter couldn't have written this because it's a different style language of Greek than is used in 2 Peter. So he didn't write both of those letters. So this must be a forgery. No, here's the clue of why the Greek is different in this letter from the other letter. So Venus is his scribe. So Venus is helping him write. Peter's an old man. It's helpful to have somebody younger than you write. Isn't it true? The older you get, the more you appreciate that. So Silvanus writes this letter, and obviously his style of writing is, is part of it. Then verse 13, She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you, and so does John Mark, my son. What in the world is he talking about? Babylon had been destroyed. So what, what, what is this? Well, Babylon was a cold word for Rome. Rome, the source of all the big-time persecution. They called it Babylon. It's just a rebirth of this earthly uh, plan to, to replace God, this, this attempt to dominate the whole world, Babylon. She who is in Babylon, who is that? That's the church, the bride of Christ, the people of the Lord. The church in Rome, elect, just like you are, together with you, greets you. So your brothers and sisters here in Rome are sending you guys greetings. Pretty simple. And so does Mark, my son. Now this is very encouraging. Mark, known as John Mark, was Peter's nephew that he calls his son. The writer of the Gospel of Mark. You want to read the Gospel of Mark? That's Peter's voice, but Mark's the one writing it. He's a young man that flees from the garden where Christ is arrested, leaves his clothes behind, and runs off into the darkness naked. John Mark is the one that Paul thought wasn't mature enough to take with him on another missionary journey. And then later, Paul 
praised him in one of his letters. In fact, Paul and Barnabas parted ways because Paul didn't want John Mark to go with them anymore. So here this young man is, obviously more mature by the suffering he's experienced in this life, being mentioned by Peter. Isn't that encouraging? No matter where you are, and maybe some things you're not proud of in your past, they're the past. Take your rearview mirror off and look through your windshield of life and go forward to the maturity to which God has called you and me. Amen? All right, now here's the final verse. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Does this mean we have to kiss each other? Well, they did because it was cultural for them. If you go to the Middle East, there are people that still practice this. They kiss on cheeks. So, and certain, certain uh, practices in, in our, even, cult, even in our culture, it is appropriate. But not everywhere. Um. I visited a Portuguese church years ago, and to my dismay, misunderstanding, at the end of the service, the pastor stood at the door and greeted people as they left, which is normal, but he kissed all the women. You may say, well, uh, boy, that's a, that's a great career. Not necessarily. Hence the word all. It was cultural. The thing is, what, I think what he's saying is whatever is cultural in your culture, be affectionate to each other, express love. Maybe you're not a hugger, but it's culturally acceptable in our culture to hug, so learn to become a hugger. Why? People need affection. We need meaningful touch. We need encouraging embraces. We do. Amen? Let's keep it holy. Make room for Jesus. All the teenagers said, oh, no. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus, amen. That's the end of the letter. So what am I going to speak on from that today? Well, the Lord willing, with his help, we will talk about being victorious. Can we read this together? We can all be victorious. Notice the word we. It's not about me being victorious or you being victorious. It's about us being victorious. And there are times when uh, one of us isn't as victorious as others, but that's the time for us to encourage each other. Amen? Take the joy that you have and encourage someone who's in mourning. Weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you'd speak to us today from your word, that every person here would leave knowing that they're called to be victorious and that if they are, Lord, they wouldn't keep it to themselves, but they would use their victory to help others come to a place of victory. In Jesus' name, and Lord, if anyone here is discouraged, I pray, Lord, they would be encouraged by your word today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, I'd like to play a little interaction with you before we dive into the actual sermon called Name That Antelope. I've lived in parts of the world where there's lots of these beautiful creatures. If you've ever, who's ever been to Bass Pro World? My favorite part of that place is that I call it the hall of heads, but it's just those rows, those two big, long rows of all kinds of different antelope, and I, I like to read what each kind is. And so maybe it's not fair for me to compete with you on this, so I won't go for the trophy. What is this? And if you weren't in the first service, you're not allowed to cheat anyway. Um, 
Impala, yes. Woo. What do we have here? Any South African rugby fans or any puzzle builders? Springbuck. Oh, no fair with a vet. Vet, you're not allowed to play. <laughs> These aren't my favorite, but they are unusual looking. A hartebeest. Hey, you know what another name for wildebeest is? Oh, close. A gnu. You never canoe that, did you? Give you a clue? The clue was, have you ever driven a Mercury? Yes. Jim's buck. This is the favorite horn for shofars. It's a kudu. This is my favorite one. Robert Morris was hunting deer on someone's ranch in South Texas and accidentally killed their exotic eland. Now the Texans in the house should know what this is. Are there any newcomers to Texas? Raise your hand. Are you new to Texas? All right. You get to guess this one. The Texans don't, don't say anything. What is this? <laughs> Wait a minute. That's not an antelope. But since it's there... Let's go ahead and dive into the word. We saw the verse that said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Speaking of lions, you know, we do have them here in Texas called mountain lions. And they're the number one predator as far as endangering humans, even more than bears. They're nothing to play with. A writer named Craig Childs was on foot doing research on mountain lions in Arizona out in the wilderness. He approached a water hole where there was some tracks in the mud. And as he was bending down to look closer, he noticed in the shadows about 30 feet away in the junipers was a pair of eyes looking at him. And that thing walked right up to him. He says he pulled out his knife and stared into the eyes of the lion and he knew what he must not do. That's what's very important if you meet a mountain lion. This sermon could save someone's life today. He said, mountain lions are known to take down animals seven or eight times their size. Their method is attack from behind. Get a bite on the spine at the base of the skull and snap the spine bite through the vertebrae at the neck. Mountain lions have stalked people for miles before killing them. One woman survived an attack, escaped, and got to a road, thought she was safe, and as she's walking down the, walking down the road, the lion had taken a shortcut, came up behind her, and killed her. He says, I held firm to my ground and did not 
give a hint that I was going to back off, even though I wanted to. I knew that if I ran, it was certain I would feel him briefly before my neck was snapped. The lion began to move to my left, and I turned, keeping my face to it and my knife on my right side. Then it moved to my right, and I turned to face it, eyeball to eyeball. My stare was the only defense I had, plus the knife in my hand, whatever good that would be. He maintained that defense as the lion continued to try to provoke him to run. Turning left, then right, getting closer and closer, back and forth, back and forth, till he was 10 foot away from him. Finally, the lion turned and walked away, defeated by a man who knew what never to do in his presence. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I'm going to speak to you on how to be victorious. This is important. First point is to be in community. Notice in our text, he used the word among you, elders among you, the flock of God which is among you. It's important. Uh, the sermon is we can be victorious. It's us together. By myself, I'm vulnerable. In fact, a pride of lions never dives into the middle of a herd of buffalo or antelope. They always find that immature one or that, that independent one who is on the edge or backside of the herd or off by themselves. That's when they're vulnerable to attack. So it is with us. We're vulnerable when we're all alone. Proverbs 18.1 says, a man who isolates himself rages against all wise judgment. Well, I'm just a loner. Well, it's time to stop being one. Well, I don't like people. Well, it's time to start liking some people. You know, as Christians, we really do not have the freedom to dislike anyone. Now, there's a Time to make room for Jesus in certain relationships. I understand that. People can be toxic and you just got to Make room and let the Lord deal with them. But everybody? May the Lord heal our hearts where we are accepting people because we've got to be in, in community if we're going to be victorious. To be victorious, we need to be hopeful. There's a better day coming. There's a brighter day coming. Peter, in talking to the elders, he says, I too am a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. There's a crown of life, crown of glory coming that's not going to fade away. There's a better day coming. Your story's not over. Don't let go of all your hope. Hold on to it. You need it. It's an anchor to your soul, the Bible says. We need to be willing to serve. The bridge you help build may be the bridge you need one day. The children's ministry you serve in may one day wind up being a ministry that serves your grandchildren or your children. The people you help may one day wind up helping you. So it's being willing to serve, not because not you have to, but a willing heart. Well, I've already done my time. Well, excuse me, but um, one day somebody's going to need to do some time to help you. So why not stay on the team? That sounds like 
independence trying to take over? Already done your time? Be unselfishly generous. This kind of works with being uh, willing to serve, not uh, lusting for dishonest gain, but being eager to help others. Even people you don't agree with, you can be respectful towards them. Put your labeler away and stop being God's self-appointed label machine. God didn't appoint us to that. He is the judge. Obviously, you don't just let anybody babysit your kids, but you can, you know, be respectful about it. Be examples to follow. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. The elders here are told to be examples to the flock. People are watching us. They will, they will either read our lives and open their Bible or read our lives and close their Bible. So don't use, well, I was just angry as an excuse. If you messed up and someone catches you, that doesn't disqualify you from being an influence in the earth. No, go to the people you messed up to and apologize and be forgiven. Call the person that you offended. Be submissive to one another. Um, some people are experts in some things that I'm not, and vice versa. No, none of us are experts in everything. Right? Some of us um, are experts in more things than others are. So being submissive means allow people to give you input. They'll save you a world of trouble. They've, especially those with gray hair and no hair, they've been down the road before that might save you from going down the road. Why do you have to reinvent the wheel? Stand on the shoulders of your forefathers and move forward with this thing. Don't relearn everything. You know, everybody doesn't have to be a graduate of the school of hard knocks. Learn from the guy that, ha that is. It's important to be submissive. Be self-humbling. Go ahead and humble yourself because you need to. Don't wait for pride to show its ugly head before you deal with it. Just make this assumption. I am filled with pride, and I'm going to deal with it. That's how humility is practiced, really, is knowing that you have pride and just living a lifestyle of dealing with it. If you think you've attained a position of humility, uh-oh, if a guy ever writes humility and how I attained it, uh, isn't. Be clothed with humility, verse 5 says, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, verse 6, that he may exalt you in due time. Humiliation comes first before exaltation. Sometimes people want exaltation without any humiliation and they become something other than Christ-like. And it leads to being defeated because pride comes before a fall. So we want to learn to be victorious over failure. Be relieved of worry, casting all your care upon him, verse 7. Why? For he cares for you. The word cast means to throw away from you. 
throw away from you. Now, in fishing, you know, we, we cast the line and then we reel it back in. That's the way, that's the way we do sometimes with our cares. We, we cast our cares on the Lord and then we reel it back in and start carrying it around again. No, cast all of them on him and then cut the line. You know? If you wake up tomorrow with more cares on you, cast those on him too. Lord, I'm going to give you today's worries to you. We're not to worry about tomorrow. Jesus commanded it. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough to have to handle. So give tomorrow's cares to him today. And tomorrow give tomorrow's cares to him today. Perpetually cast your cares on him. This is good for being healthy. Be self-controlled. The word here is to be sober. How is being sober, that is not drunk, how is that self-control? Well, it takes self-control to not get drunk. And it takes being sober, that is not drunk, to have self-control. How many people have wrecked their lives and the lives of other people because of foolish decisions they've made while under the influence of some intoxicant? Right? Well, I, you know, in their defense in the courtroom, well, I'm sorry I killed a bunch of folks. I was drunk. That's, that's not a defense. Self-control keeps us sober. And being sober keeps us with self-control. We live in a culture where the concept of self-control is like out the window. If it feels good, do it. I can't control myself. I just was made this way. Well, you were born crapping your pants too, but you learned some control, did you not? Sorry, I have to grab the teenager's attention. I was losing them. Moving right along. Be on guard. Know that opposition is going to come against you. When a lion comes to you, oh, this is what I read about. You know? This is... When your closest friend betrays you, oh, this is what Jesus went through. Be poised for, not like afraid for the other shoe to drop, but be on guard. Be vigilant. Be resistant. Don't just give up because somebody wants you to. Don't throw in the towel just because somebody hurts your feelings. (laughs) Don't quit just because everybody's not your fan. Now, obviously, if you're on American Idol and the whole world saw you can't carry tune in the bucket, give that up. We're talking about serving the Lord, doing his purposes in the earth. Be strong. Don't be a wimp. Steadfast in the faith. Know what you believe and stand on it, willing to be persecuted. Be aware, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world, verse 9. You're not the only one. Others are going through the same thing you're going through and have gone through what you're going through. You just didn't know about it. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. That is a thought from the dark side that would cause you to think I'm the only one. And what is the purpose of that thought? To alienate you, 
to get you to withdraw from community, from being with other believers. I'm the only one. You're not the only one. Speaking of being in community, you know, there's some believers who would give anything to be in a congregation like this or any Granberry congregation, but they live in a country where they have to be underground. There are some believers, thank God for social media, the only fellowship they're getting right now is Facebook. That's why we need to be careful what we post, because if they're our Facebook friend, we don't know. We, we may be the only friend they have that's a Christian that could fellowship with them. The fields are white, ready to harvest. Just be ready for God to use you to encourage someone on the other side of the world or across the street or even in your own house. Be aware others are suffering. And be restored. Um, Storms come and tear up everything. But then restoration comes. Terry Snow with his teams are out on the streets already been doing it for a couple days, restoring people's houses, rebuilding some of the homes they built and others. Restore, be part of the restoration process. Well, they brought this storm upon themselves. Well, you burn, you learn. We brought some storms upon ourselves too. But was somebody there to help restore us? Amen. He's our shepherd. We shall not want. He restores our soul. He rebuilds our lives. Be strengthened. You're already strong. Get stronger and strengthen somebody else. You want to be encouraged? Find somebody to encourage, and you'll find yourself thinking, man, this is good stuff. (laughs) Be empowered and be reinforced. These points come from this verse right here, the last four points there, from verse 10. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Part of this the Lord's going to do. It's not a call to pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps, but make ourselves available to receive what God is going to give us and make ourselves available to to give what God is going to give through us as we lay down our lives for one another. As the pride chased down the car, the lioness tried to deliver a decisive blow. A kill looked inevitable, but the attack was short-lived when the buffalo herd arrived on the scene, charging at the lions. With the buffalo protectively surrounding the car, the small pride realized the game was up and retreated to a safe distance. You got the message? We need the herd. And sometimes... um, Members of the body of Christ are more like cats than they are sheep. You want to see something funny, go to YouTube and enter herding cats. Let's pray. 
Lord, I pray for your flock, your herd, that we would be there for one another, that we would encourage each other every chance we get, that we would um, reach out to see how each other is doing, and that we would remember when we were needing encouragement and who you used to bring life to us and those of us that maybe, Lord, were down and nobody was there and somehow you intervened. May, Lord, may we realize we were an exception to the rule and may nobody else go through something like we went through by, them, by, by ourselves themselves. Lord, I pray that you use us even now before we leave this room to show love and affection and compassion for one another, not just through greetings, but even through prayers and words of life. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to pronounce a blessing on you after you stand, and then I just want you to turn to someone near you and say, can I pray with you about something? And if the answer is yes, don't wait for someone to come and ask you to, if they can pray with you about something. Look for somebody and say, can you pray with me about something? Can we do that? Let's stand. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And you, may you be victorious in all that you do even now and beyond as you help others to be